Hi everyone, I'm Debbie Roberts, owner and financial advisor at Property Apprentice. Join us today for the Week in Review, where I'll talk about current events for the everyday investor and home buyer. Our topics for this week, from the February the 24th through to the 2nd of March, and apologies for the delay in getting this out to you, had uh, some urgent things that we needed to deal with last week. Obviously, the hot topic for the week was the OCR announcement, and I'll be doing some bonus podcasts about that. But topics for the week from February 24th through to 2nd of March, First up, from News Hub on the 28th of February, Sir John Key reveals his prediction for the housing market. Second topic from Good Returns on the 28th of February, breaking OCR 5.5% monetary policy remains restrictive. Third topic for this week in review, from One Roof on the 25th of February, it's not cheap money. Why bridging loans are too much of a gamble for sellers right now. Fourth topic from Stuff on the 24th of February, do renters get a better deal overseas? And fifth topic from the New Zealand Herald on the 28th of February, nearly half of Kiwis worry about money and young are feeling overwhelmed. So first up this week from News Hub on the 28th of February, Sir John Key reveals his prediction for the housing market. Sir John Key, following his resignation from ANZ's board, warned that house prices could potentially double within the next decade due to factors such as migration, rising costs and higher salaries. Despite a recent dip in median house prices, housing affordability remains strained across New Zealand with signs of a rebound in property costs. He anticipates interest rates may start to decrease next year, although he acknowledges persistent inflation. He attributes the potential increase in house prices to the country's growing population, both through net migration and internal migration to areas experiencing growth. Additionally, he points out the continuous rise in general costs alongside increasing wages enhances people's capacity to service mortgages. These warnings coincide with growing concerns over domestic inflation, with analysts suggesting core inflation will persist despite falling consumer price expectations. And my thoughts on this are that it's entirely possible that house prices could double within the next 10 years or so. So it could be a little bit less than 10 years, could be a little bit longer than 10 years. No one's got their crystal ball that works. But if you want to hear more about my thoughts on this, check out our post about the interview that I did on News Talk ZB's property hour recently. So check out that link there. Second topic for this week in review from Good Returns on the 28th of February, breaking OCR 5.5% monetary policy remains restrictive. The Monetary Policy Committee decided to maintain the official cash rate, the OCR, at 5.5%. Over the past year, the New Zealand economy has followed the committee's expectations. While core inflation and most measures of inflation expectations have decreased, headline inflation remains above the target band of 1-3%, to limiting the committee's tolerance for inflation surprises. Tightened monetary policy and global economic slowdown have led to a better alignment of aggregate demand with New Zealand's supply capacity. High immigration and subdued demand growth have eased capacity restraints in the labour market. However, recent population growth has supported aggregate spending, leading to upward pressure on dwelling rents. Globally, economic growth remains below trend and is expected to slow further in 2024. This environment will contribute to a further moderation in New Zealand's import price inflation. 
The outlook for the Chinese economy is weak due to structural constraints on long-term growth. There's a risk that central banks may need to maintain restrictive policy interest rates for longer to meet inflation targets. Geopolitical and climate conditions pose risks to inflation, with the recent increase in global shipping costs highlighting these concerns. The committee will monitor these cost pressures and intervene if necessary to prevent spillovers into general inflation. The committee believes that the current OCR level is curbing demand. However, sustained relief from capacity pressures is needed to bring headline inflation back into the target range. The OCR will remain at a restrictive level for an extended period to achieve this goal according to the Reserve Bank. So if you'd like to hear more thoughts of mine on this, check out our next bonus podcast. If you'd like to learn more about investing in property, join me at one of our free events, How to Succeed with Property Investing. I'll discuss strategies for successful investing from my perspective as a financial advisor and an experienced property investor, available live online or in person. Check out propertyapprentice.co.nz for upcoming dates and register today. We don't sell property, so it's all about increasing your knowledge to reduce your risk. If you've already been to one of our free events or you'd like to find out more about how we can help you to reach your financial goals, you can also book a no-obligation phone call or meeting with my husband, Paul Roberts, via the website. That's propertyapprentice.co.nz. Topic number three, from one roof on the 25th of February, it's not cheap money. Why bridging loans are too much of a gamble for sellers right now. Buyers with conditional offers are finding it challenging to align the sale of their current homes with the purchase of new properties, primarily due to the limited availability of bridging finance. This finance option, which allows homeowners to purchase a new property before selling their existing one, has become more restricted, particularly for those without significant equity. John Bolton, founder of Squirrel Mortgages, explains that many individuals prefer to secure their new home before selling their current one to avoid the risk of being left without a place to live, especially when there's a bit of a shortage of rental properties. That makes sense. This trend is especially prevalent among buyers who have specific preferences or requirements for their next property. However, this approach comes with its own set of risks, as homeowners could end up owning two properties simultaneously, leading to financial strain. Bridging finance, while a potential solution, is not easily accessible to everyone. It typically requires a substantial equity position, with lenders often requiring a loan-to-value ratio of about 70%. This means that individuals in their mid to late 40s who've owned property for several years and built up significant equity are more likely to qualify for bridging finance. Despite its usefulness in facilitating smooth transitions between properties, bridging finance comes with significant costs. Interest rates are relatively high, currently around 8.5% at major banks, and can reach up to 10% with second-tier lenders. Additionally, lenders may charge setup fees ranging from 1% to 2%, further adding to the financial burden. Dave Williams, a mortgage advisor at Loan Market, emphasises the difficulty many homeowners face in obtaining bridging finance. As a result, they often have no choice but to make conditional offers on new properties contingent on the successful sale of their current homes. However, this strategy can backfire, as evidenced by several of Williams' clients who missed out on their desired properties due to the inability to sell their homes in time or at the right price. 
Shane Cortez, National Auction Manager at Harcourts, suggests an alternative approach, selling the current home first with a long settlement period. This approach allows homeowners to become unconditional cash buyers, providing them with greater certainty in negotiations. While this method may not result in significant discounts on properties, it can give buyers a competitive edge, particularly in auction situations. Overall, while bridging finance offers a potential solution for homeowners looking to upgrade their properties, it's essential to carefully consider the associated risks and costs before proceeding. Additionally, exploring alternative strategies such as selling first with a long settlement may provide a more secure path to achieving one's property goals. Fourth topic for this week in review from Stuff on the 24th of February, do renters get a better deal overseas? Auckland has regained its position as New Zealand's most expensive rental market with a median weekly rent of an eye-watering $680, which has increased from previous months. This figure represents approximately 45% of the average annual salary in the city, highlighting the significant portion of income that renters must allocate towards their housing costs. Comparatively, renters in some overseas cities face even higher housing costs. So just when you thought the grass might be greener, here's a reality check for you. In Sydney, the median weekly rent is 730 Australian dollars, which translates to approximately 47% of the average annual salary in the city, according to data from Payscale. In Dublin, Ireland's capital, that boasts the country's highest advertised rents with asking prices averaging 2,102 euros per month. This accounts for 61% of the average salary in the city, underscoring the financial burden faced by renters. In Brussels, monthly rents average €1,249, as reported by the Brussels Times, representing 32% of the average salary in the Belgian capital. In Beijing, the average monthly rent is €6,931, which is about 45% of the average annual salary in the city, according to data from the Beijing Statistics Office. In London, data from property website Rightmove indicates that the average asking rent in London is £2,627 a month, with renters spending 56% of their income on rent based on the average annual salary in the city. Washington DC's median rent in that US capital is $2,105 per month, according to the latest national rent report from Apartment List. Census data shows the median salary in the city is $90,000, making Washington DC the most affordable city on our list, with rent taking 30% of the income. These comparisons illustrate the global trend of rising housing costs relative to income, with renters in major cities around the world facing significant financial pressure due to high rental prices. At the end of the day, it all boils down to supply and demand. If there's limited supply and increased demand, especially like we're seeing in Auckland at the moment with increased net migration, then prices do go up. Although they will eventually reach a bit of a threshold when it comes to the amount of money that tenants can afford to pay. So, you know, that you have to then wait until incomes increase, inflation and incomes before rents increase further. 
Fifth topic for this week in review from New Zealand Herald on the 28th of February, nearly half of Kiwis worry about money and the young are feeling overwhelmed. A significant portion of New Zealanders, particularly the younger generation, express frequent concern about their financial well-being, according to recent research by Fidelity Life. Among the findings from a survey of over 1,100 Kiwis aged 18 to 69, 47% reported often or always worrying about money. Notably, this figure increases to 53% for those under 35, indicating a higher level of financial anxiety among younger individuals. The report highlights a disparity in financial sentiment across different age groups, with 81% of those aged 65 and above feeling positive about their financial situation, compared to 59% of those aged 18 to 24 who reported feeling overwhelmed by their financial circumstances. Moreover, there's a concerning reliance on amateur financial advice, primarily from family members, contributing to what's described as a pervasive financial fear. While financial advisors are deemed the most trustworthy source of financial information by 88% of respondents, only 22% have sought advice from them, with 36% turning to family instead. The research underscores a short-term focus on day-to-day spending and immediate financial needs, potentially jeopardising long-term financial security, particularly regarding retirement planning. Despite the prevalence of KiwiSaver, 79% participation, and investment in stocks and shares or managed funds, 30%, there's a notable lack of confidence in making financial decisions, especially among ethnic minorities. Fidelity Life CEO Campbell Mitchell emphasises the need for increased financial literacy and proactive financial planning from an early age to mitigate the long-term impacts of the ongoing cost of living crisis. And I 100% agree with that, albeit I am potentially biased being a financial advisor myself, but the sooner you start, the easier it is to get a plan for your financial future. So, you know, I encourage you all, no matter what stage you're at, then, you know, if you haven't been to one of our free events, please check it out because there's something for everyone there, okay? It's not impossible to get your foot on the property ladder. With the right education, research and guidance, it is possible to navigate the property market effectively and achieve your financial goals. If you want to learn more about property and come along to one of our free events, how to succeed with property investing. During these two-hour workshops, I'll provide you with the most recent property market information. And what's more, as an experienced property investor and a financial advisor, I'll share valuable insights and expert tips to help you on your journey. Our free events cater to all levels of property investors and potential first-home buyers. I'll also tell you more about how we help our clients to achieve their financial goals. So if you're interested in finding out more about what we do, visit propertyapprentice.co.nz today to secure your spot and register for one of our events. Alternatively, book a no-obligation phone call or meeting with my husband Paul Roberts through our website. Thanks for listening.